hey, you're standing in my heart, okay? But if you're as tall as me, you might be standing anyways. So, hey, glad you're here today. My name is Jeremy. Like I said, I'm the youth pastor here. And yeah, I just want to take a few moments this morning and just kind of share with you. Uh, I had the opportunity, like you said, a couple of weeks ago to be in Kenya, Africa, uh, Nairobi, and in uh, in the areas around there. Um, and our student ministry has, for a couple of years, been giving towards what we call the Living Water Campaign. And what we're uh, what we're trying to do is we're partnering with an organization called WorldServe, and this organization is putting clean water wells in East Africa. And you have no idea, being Americans, we probably have no idea the serious need worldwide for clean water. Um, and so, so that's what we got to do. A team of about eight of us uh, went, um, mostly youth pastors, went together because we were invited by WorldServe. And, um, and, and so I, just to give you a few statistics real quick, I'm going to show you some pictures, tell you a few things real quick. But also what I want to do today is today's, um, today's Palm Sunday. So I'm going to take a few moments uh, after I share about this and kind of talk about Palm Sunday a little bit. But I don't know if you know this, but every day, 2,000 children under the age of five die from water-related diseases. Um, and, and at any given time, more than half of the world's hospital beds are occupied by patients suffering from water-related diseases. Like unclean water claims more lives through disease than more, more than what guns have through any war. Globally, there are 844 million people living without access to clean water. Um, and, and here's the deal. A lot of those people don't know Jesus as well. Uh, so I want to show you a, a few pictures this morning from this experience. Uh, I have a couple videos as well right here. Uh, if you see this picture here on the screen, yeah, um, that one. No, yes, no. Okay, yes. That, uh, so we arrive at 10 p.m. on a, on a well, first of all, uh, I had th- we had three flights to get there. We went from Kansas City to Dallas, Dallas to London, which was a nine-hour flight, London to Nairobi, which was another nine-hour flight, like all back-to-back, like it was miserable, people. And, um, and airplane food's not good, just so you know, weird people, weird smells, amazing. Um, but anyways, we land at 10 p.m. that night. There's an eight-hour time difference between them and us. Land at 10 p.m. that night, and um, we, a lot of our team have to, or at, were, have been asked to preach at local churches that next Sunday, or that very next day, and we had to be ready at like 7 a.m. And I couldn't fall asleep. You know, obviously the time difference, like it was like 3 a.m. until I could even fall asleep. I was taking melatonin, like didn't work. So, um, so that, that church that was on the screen uh, was the church that I preached at that Sunday. And um, that church has, uh, WorldServe has placed a water well on their property. And the, the amazing thing about uh, what's going on with the Kenyan Assemblies of God churches and, and WorldServe is that they're actually kind of partnering together. So every place they, uh, they put a water well, they're going to put a church right next, right next to it. So that way people can show up and find uh, clean water, but then also find the living water of Jesus at the same time. 
and it's pretty cool. But this church actually was already established and, uh, and WorldServe came in and, and put in a clean water well. And, and the pastor was so excited because I was a representative of Speed the Light, of, of WorldServe. And he was so excited that I was there. And he's like, oh, pastor, come here, come here. And he had me like, he wanted me to physically hold a water can and like fill it up with water. He was excited for me to get to do that. And, um, and he was just thanking God for Speed the Light. He was thanking God for WorldServe. And through uh, that one water well right there, uh, that church is able to provide clean water for over 300 families right there in their own community. Since, since WorldServe put in that one water well right there, their church has more than doubled in size. They've had to go to two services. And it was just, uh, it was just really amazing experience to, to be able to be there. Um, and, and so, uh, and so that, uh, that water well is 300 families, but possibly over like 1,100 people, individuals uh, that, it, that it serves. And so the pastor is, praise God for world silver. Pray God for speed the light. And, and they love white people too. So I was like a rock star there. So, um, but I want to show you this next picture. Um, this is a water truck. Uh, they call this Bowser. Any... Anyways, they call this Bowser. And the amazing thing about this truck uh, is that once a week, this truck drives out into areas and communities and they, and they service and help about six different schools in their area. And um, that truck, it, I, and I think even just, they said even one of the schools has over 1,200 kids in it. And they, they pull up to a school and they provide clean water for the whole school, like for the week. And one really cool thing about this Bowser truck is that they only allow women to drive this truck. Yes, they only allow women to drive this truck because here's the reason. Well, so not only will they go to schools, but they'll also pull up in a uh, remote area. And in this area, like women will walk for miles carrying their water cans to come and get clean water from this truck. And so in, in Kenya, it is the woman's role to, co- to collect water, clean water for their home. And so that's the role of the woman. And the reason that they only allow women to drive that truck is because men don't get it. Men want to pull up in a spot, dump the water, and get out of there. They want to get the job done and get out of there. But women understand the need of the women there. So they'll pull up and they'll park and they'll wait and women will walk for miles to come to that truck and to fill up their water cans. And while they're there, the women who drive the truck minister to the ladies who show up to get clean water. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, and it's a standard too. Like they, their steering wheel's on the right side and it's weird. I was gonna try to drive it, but I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not a woman. So, um, um, so uh, let's see. Um, so the next day we got up and we drove about six hours way out in the bush. And which the craziest thing is, is like, you'll be driving for hours and for miles and you don't see any towns, you don't see anything, but all of a sudden you'll see a kid pop up from a bush and just like waving. It's like, (laughs) and like they're herding cattle and all kinds of stuff. It's the craziest thing. Um, so we drove six hours to, uh, the Maasai tribe. And first place we went, we walked up to this little school and there were, there were like 60, 70 kids there and they had a little program for us. They were singing and dancing and, and celebrating. And they were so excited that we were there. 
they wanted to touch our skin. Um, and and uh, they, they told us um, the way that they greet children there was they would kind of pat them on the head. Um, and so, like, you know, we'd like petting people's I felt like Benny Hinn walking through there. Like, no one was falling out, though. It was crazy. Sorry. I'm inappropriate. Um, so we were standing there and, um, and, and watching all this go on, and, and it was really amazing. Um, and and all, we were standing there, and, and I, we were kind of watching. I was in the back kind of watching. One of our guys were up talking, and uh, I saw this little one. Oh, yeah, that was beautiful right there. That was really cool. Um, but I see this little one kind of looking at me and kind of inching closer. And we kind of look at me, inch closer. And, and, and so I reached over and I patted the little one on the head. And, um, and then I just continued to look forward and watch the, watch the program. And next thing I know, the, the sweatiest little hand reaches up and grabs me, grabs my hand. And, and I was like, I can't let go. Like, can I take this one home with me? And... And it was, um, it, it was, it was pretty cool. And we, we just, I just stood there for the longest time, just holding hands, and then um, used a lot of uh, disinfectant afterwards. Um, I'm totally kidding. Sorry, uh, child, children aren't my thing. So, um, <laughs> so, um, so then we, when we left the school. Uh, one of the things that they do for fun, which some of our older generation in this room might be able to relate, is they pushed around tires just for fun. And um, maybe you can connect with that. Uh, so anyways, we walked out uh, for a ways to this. Um, they, were, they had this drilling site. And, uh, and they, were, they had their big uh, drilling truck out there. And they were drilling for water. And they actually waited for us to get there. Because they said they had drilled uh, like over 200 meters down. Which, um, I, does anybody know the math on that? What, the, what that is for feet? Over 600 feet that they had to drill down to, to get clean water. And um, actually like 656 feet. Anyways, uh, so... Uh, I, so I think we have a picture. No, I think we have a video of that. But they, they bring us out there and they want us to see the moment that they kind of break through and hit water. And it's just like a really quick, short video. But I want you to see this. And it was pretty amazing in that moment. Like you couldn't hear it because the truck was so loud, but people were like, yeah, celebrating. And it was, it was, we were celebrating and like crying and like, and, uh, but it was, it was so cool because we got to be a part of that. That truck was given uh, by students just like ours who give to speed the light, who give to missions. So these people, we don't even know in the middle of nowhere, Africa could have clean water. Um, uh, and, and and I want to show you this next picture. Um, this is the water that they normally drink from. This is this is a young girl gathering water for her family, and and I don't know if you can tell really close, but that is not clean water. Uh, that is a it was like a big pond that they actually share with uh, cattle and elephants and wild animals and all kinds of other things. And this is the water that they drink that they drink. And so we are, I'm so honored and excited that we get to provide clean water for this Maasai tribe here. Um, and then uh, the next day we went and we were able to um, 
go to a couple more sites where water wells had been uh, established. One of the, the one of the sites, this one right here, was one that has actually been established for a few years, and and um, partnered with WorldServe is a organization called Water Boys. And actually, if you're a NFL football fan, um, Chris Long, who I think he plays for the Eagles. I don't know, um, was a part of putting in this water well. And then I missed uh, Miles Davis, Miles Davis, uh, Miles, Miles Garrett by like two weeks in Africa. So anyways, uh, who plays for the Cleveland Browns. Anyways, they're partnered with WorldServe as well to uh, put in some of these clean water wells. And that one, that one specific well right there, um, it had been there for a couple years now, and that one specific well helps over 11,000 people to get clean water. It's amazing. You'll see people, I want to show you this next picture. Uh, you'll see young ladies uh, traveling for miles with their donkeys, with their mules, um, packed with the, the water cans. Um, and so they can, they can go for miles and, and load up their Water cans, and I think they said just one of those water cans is 25 pounds uh, a piece, and they will they'll load up the mules with those, but then they'll also be carrying some as well, and they'll come for miles. You'll see people traveling for miles to this water well. Um, uh, and the last site we went to, it was on the day of their grand opening of their water well, and we got to be there for that, and. Um, like and as we walked up, the the kind of leader of the tribe or and or the pastor there, um, he the, he said they prepared what for us what they called a short program, and um, if if uh, so that first day in Africa we all got really sunburnt. Um, we're not used to being that close to the equator, and uh, and even used to seeing that much sun. And so we were really sunburned, and they had a short program that they wanted to uh, to show us that day, and um, and, and I want to show you real quick. Uh, what's this? Yeah, that spot right there is the water uh, that this area, the people from this area, would drink, and um, and it's once again, it's the same water that animals, um, all kinds of things, would they would share with the people. Um, and in the next picture, I want you to see, uh, this is where they were, like I said, this is the grand opening of their water wells, and the, the, the water cans were just lined up, people waiting for the opportunity to fill up and, and to be able to take them back home. Um, and then this is, I want to show you part of their uh, program that they had prepared for us. These women were singing praises to God, thanking God for water, thanking God for sending us there. To get, and we didn't do anything. We were just like there checking it out. But they were thanking God for us <clears throat> being there and giving and being able to provide them clean water. Um, it, it was an amazing experience. And, and um, man, I, I was just so honored and blessed just to be there and just to see that and experience that. There's something about like giving to missions 
And then there's something totally different than when you go and you see your giving at work and you see it in action and it just, it changes everything. And so last thing I want to show you is this. Uh, on the way back home, we flew back through uh, London, England, and this is one of our missionaries. Uh, his name is Jason Fisher. And um, I don't know if you know him or not, but this vehicle is like a Nissan Rogue, which they call it something different. It's a Nissan something weird and, um, in England. And, and this is a vehicle that our students from Southern Missouri have given to provide him so he can have transportation. I don't know if you know this or not, but a lot of missionaries, when they go out onto the field, they don't have a vehicle. They don't get to tr- ship their car from the U.S. over to wherever they're at. And so they rely on us. They rely on people who give. And uh, we gave so he could have that, him and his family could have that vehicle. And they've only been on the missions field since June of this past summer. And so we were able to provide that for him. It was, it was a really, really amazing opportunity. Um, but today is Palm Sunday. And, and I, have, I have more stories, like I got to go on a safari, got to see lions devouring a wildebeest, which was like very manly and very cool. Um, I got to see elephants walking in front of us, like crazy cool stuff. Oh, the place where we, like, we kind of camped out was more like glamping. And um, we camped out, we walked out the back of our tent thing and mountain Kilimanjaro was like right there, like um, amazing, amazing things. I can show you some other time, or if you follow me on social media, you probably saw it all. Um, but, uh, today's Palm Sunday, and this is a pretty significant day in the life uh, of a Christ follower, and it's a significant day leading up to Easter. If you got your Bibles this morning, we're going to jump into the book of Mark, and, um, Mark 11, and we're just going to start in verse 1, and I'm going to read, uh, 1 through 10, and, and I just kind of want you to, uh, to see the significance of, of today and what the, the importance of today, um, Palm Sunday. It says this, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Beth, Bethpage and, and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever set. Uh, untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, what, why you are doing this, say the Lord needs it, needs of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. I think that's funny because we never heard if the donkey or the colt got back there. Uh, I'm sure it did if the Lord said it. Um, and they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside the street and, and they untied it. And some of these standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they said to them what Jesus had said and they let them go. That's pretty powerful. Like, hey, you're stealing my car. And like, oh, hey, uh, Jesus said so. Oh, cool, go ahead. You know, like, no problem. And, and so verse seven, they brought the colt to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut down from the fields, palm trees. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of God, our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. This series of verses right here is what we call the triumphal entry. And, and when I was younger, I don't know if maybe you guys did this in your home, but I was, when I was younger, uh, we used to play this game called hide and seek. 
probably familiar with it, right? You probably heard of it. Like I have two brothers. I'm the youngest of the two. I'm the, actually the youngest of six. And I, but I'm the youngest of these two brothers. And um, we would play this in our house. And, and I feel like um, my oldest brother uh, at the time uh, used to like to torment me and my brother a little bit. And uh, at this point in our, house, uh, our lives, too, we lived in a trailer house, um, even though it was a double wide, because we were actually pretty fancy. Um, like, even though it was a double wide, like, hiding, hiding spots were actually pretty limited. And uh, so we all, you know, you, you kind of have your go-to spots, your, your places that you go to. My spot was underneath my parents' bed, partly because I was the only one who could fit under there. Um, but this time, I decided to switch it up a little bit. And instead of going under the, my parents' bed, I hid behind their uh, throw pillows. And, and I covered myself up. I had a pretty good spot. So we start the game. My brother, he actually, our house was so small, he went out on the front porch to start counting so that we, he wouldn't see us running which way. And um, he would start counting and we would run and hide. And after, after waiting and, and um, behind these throw pillows for what seemed like an hour, like I was suffocating, I wasn't breathing like real well, I was sweating back there. Um, after, after waiting for so long, I, I finally decided that something was wrong, right? You're playing hide and seek, it's three of you in a small house, no one finds you for an hour, oh, something's probably wrong. So, and I'm starting to wonder uh, if my brother had done this on purpose. Uh, <laughs> And I was, I was, uh, what was going on is, is I was lost and no one was coming to find me. And, and sometimes what we do is we behave like God is nowhere to be found. But I want you to know today that God's not playing games with you. He's not trying to trick you. He, he wants you to find him. And I want you to know today that he's actually terrible at hiding Matthew verse seven, it's Matthew seven, seven, it says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. And, and if you'll look, I'll, I believe that you will find that God is actually closer than you ever imagined. Did anybody grow up in church? And once again, this may be for our older generation in here. You grew up in church and Sunday night service was sometimes testimony service, right? Should we bring that back? I like a nap. So, um, I'm totally kidding. But testimony night, testimony night. What would happen is, is we would get it started. We would do worship. And then all of a sudden, the pastor would take a huge risk and he'd pass around a live mac- microphone, right? And, and we would give, it was a totally dangerous thing. And he would give a live microphone to a random person in the crowd and they would give their testimony. And, and typically people would start off with something, something like this. They would say, when I found God, and, and I know what people mean, and, and it's not a bad expression, but it, it's actually not a, a good expression because God's never been lost. Amen. That's right. He's never been lost. It's you and I who are lost and God finds us. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are all eyewitness accounts of Jesus. And in Mark's Gospel, he tells the account of Jesus entering into Jerusalem five days before his death, burial, and resurrection. This is also, this time of season is also known as the Passover season. Um, And so at this point, 
in the city of Jerusalem, there, they, they estimate that there probably would have been around 2 million Jews in the city to celebrate the Passover. Fun fact, most people there would have been purchasing a lamb to make a sacrifice for their sins. What they didn't know was that the lamb was on his way there and he would be the sacrifice for all of our sins. So Jesus, he's headed to Jerusalem. And, and, and here's the deal. He knows where he's stepping into. He knows where he's going. Have you ever like known you're about to walk into a bad situation and you're like, oh, this is gonna be terrible. I hate this. Can I go? Can I leave? But no, Jesus, he knows what he's about to step into. He knows and nobody's forcing him to go. He goes willingly. And he knows what's gonna happen once he goes into Jerusalem. Like he'll be betrayed, he'll be crucified and ultimately he will, he will die for you and me. And he was willing to go. He was willing to go and, and, and he, didn't, he didn't run and hide. He wants us to find him. Jesus enters Jerusalem and, and you gotta know this about Jesus. He never does anything ordinary, right? Like think about the feeding of the 5,000. Like he takes a kid's Lunchable and like he tears it all up and puts it in a basket and then pulls it back out and feeds 5,000 people, right? Like he doesn't do anything normal. Like he, he, there's a blind guy in front of him and he spits in his eyes and like, and he's like, uh, be healed. And the guy's like, uh, I want a bath first. You know, like he, he doesn't do anything just typical and anything normal. So what happens is Jesus, he, he decides, he sends his disciples ahead of him. And he's like, hey, there's this colt tied up. And if anyone asks why you're taking it, simply tell them the Lord has use of it and I'll bring it back. And now I, I've seen today, uh, I walked through the lobby and I looked out the windows. I seen some pretty nice cars and trucks out in our parking lot today. And, and if I go out there after church and, and it's your car I'm taking, it's okay. The Lord needs it. I, I'm going to bring it back like after lunch. Like if you follow Jesus, there will be times where he will ask you to do crazy things for him. Not like, not like illegal stuff though, but like crazy things. I had a kid ask me if he could give a big donation to Speed the Light, but he couldn't tell me where the money was coming from one time. He had a kind of a rough past. And I was like, well, let's think about this. So anyways, um, but like Jesus will sometimes ask you to do crazy things. Like, and I want you to know today that this should encourage you because God isn't looking for the most qualified person. He just wants people who are available and who will trust him even when it gets crazy. Like some of you guys in this room, you've been in church for a long time and, and, um, and maybe you're not making any moves and maybe you're waiting from a word from God that makes sense. And oftentimes God speaks to you not in the natural, but in the supernatural. And that requires faith. Some of you want to move when you get a miracle. But God wants you to move before the miracle. Before it even takes place. And these guys, they take this colt and, and nobody like gives them trouble whatsoever. Hey, what are you doing that? The Lord needs it. Ah, you're good. Think, think about it like this. Giving for clean water has value. Like what we just saw, it has value. But, but you're giving 
when used by God and for God, when you give it that way, the value of your giving increases and thousands are touched and thousands are affected. Just like this, this, these water wells that we've put in, we gave a little bit, we gave some, some gave a lot, some gave a little bit, but ultimately God will take our giving and multiply it and see thousands touched by it. Every person in this room has gifts and every person in this room has talents. And when those are put to use for God, imagine the thousands that can be touched. Imagine the thousands that can be changed. So they bring the colt to Jesus and they lay their coats across it. And Jesus gets on it and he starts riding into Jerusalem for this glorious celebration. And the Bible says that people grabbed palm branches and they laid them on the road and they waved them in the air. uh, And they were creating a path for him into Jerusalem. Um, and that's why we call it Palm Sunday. They, they waved them in the air and they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna actually means please save. I think a lot of times we, we sing, we say this song in worship and we're like, oh, it's a celebration thing. But really, Hosanna means please save us. And they were quoting Psalm 118, which was actually fulfilling a prophecy um, that he is the Messiah. People showed up. It created a scene. And in fact, in Matthew's gospel, it says that the whole city was stirred up. The whole city was stirred up. And I hope today that you get stirred up a little bit. My prayer for you today is that you get stirred up a little bit um, Every once in a while, a a stir should happen in the church. Every once in a while, a stir should happen in you and in your heart and in your life. I hope you have a faith that is stirred up even when the world tries to shake you up. Because a shaking, a shaking happens on the outside, but a stirring happens on the inside. I want to have the kind of faith so when the world tries to shake me and the world tries to break me, and, and, and I might even bend a little bit, but I'm stirred up. I want you to know what happens to you. I, I want you to know what happens to you in, in life is not nearly as important to what happens inside of you. Are you stirred up today? I am. I'm stirred. I'm stirred. I'm just cranking this thing, man. Are you with me? When I was in high school, um, we, we were a pretty rowdy bunch. We, we used to go to, um, I, I didn't play basketball. It's obvious why. Um, but we would even, uh, we would go to our, our friends' basketball games. Both of my best friends, I'm like five foot nothing. And both of my friends were like six, four. And so, and I drove this, uh, little Volkswagen rabbit and, um, at one point and my friend, he was six, four, he would sit in the back and roll down which we'd have to roll down windows. So, and he would stick both arms out the side and it's kind of funny. Um, so both of my friends played basketball and we would travel as like a whole crowd, like a whole student section. We would travel to away games and, and we would cheer for our team. And, and we may have been a little obnoxious. We may have been a little annoying. So we go to, like for me, this was one of our favorite places that we would travel to. It was in Alva, Oklahoma, which is like nowhere, Oklahoma. And it's like, it's like one of those places that the atmosphere that you loved to be in, like the gym was small 
and the atmosphere was electric. And like the, the gym was packed. Like it's like small town, everyone in town like shuts everything down and they come to the basketball game. And um, like I said, I obviously didn't play basketball. Uh, so our group, we're at this game and we're going crazy. Like the atmosphere is electric, like it's a close game and we're yelling and we're screaming and we're making noise and we're doing all of this stuff. And this gentleman in front of me is not with our group. He's from Alva. And uh, he gets a little perturbed because we are making noise the whole time. Like we were even that group when free throws were being shot, we were making noise. And like nobody likes that person. So like he stands up and he's like a whole row beneath me. But when he stands up, he's a whole head taller than me. And he looks at me and he says, why don't you shut up? Why are you here? Blackwell fans in Alva, shut up. I started thinking, you don't know me, homie. You don't know the mean farm fields I come from. I am corn fed. I may be small, but dynamite comes in small packages. And I was like, who are you, giant? You come with me, you come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God of Israel, who you have defied. And like on this day, like I will cut off your head and feed your flesh to the birds and, and all will know that our God is really God. That's what I was thinking. And then I sat down. But (laughs) here's the deal. You should always keep a few idiot friends around you. And they were like, bro, say something back. Say something back. You know how it goes, right? You say something back. And this guy, like I said, he's like a whole head taller than me, a row below me. And, And he was like, they're like, you know how, we got your back, bro. We got your back. I stood up. And I started cheering and the whole group of us stood up and started cheering. And it was like angels in the outfield and like our team won. And it was, it was an amazing experience. And, but when I stood up and I started to cheer in the face of adversity, and I was like, this is a dumb illustration, but when I, I stood up and I started to cheer in the face of adversity, it, it stirred something up. And it changed the atmosphere of our group. And like even parents of the players who who traveled to watch their kids play were standing up with us and we're like, yeah. And like we're standing and we cheered in the face of adversity. We stirred it up and it changed the atmosphere of the group. Parents were standing and cheering with us and the giant never turned back around. And we won the game. So, yeah, it was because of me. That's why I, I took total credit for this. But part of our job as followers of Jesus is to get our communities stirred up. That happens when we raise Jesus up. To get our homes stirred up. That happens when we raise Jesus up. We don't let the outside world change and affect what's happening inside of me. I'm going to be stirred up. Matthew says the whole city was stirred up. And many times we get stirred up, but we don't know what we're stirred about. Maybe we haven't actually weighed what it is that we're celebrating. 
as Jesus. He's entering the city. Many people had an idea what he was coming to do, but most of them were actually wrong. He shows up riding a colt. This is not the animal of a king. He's not on a chariot. He's not on a great horse. It's a colt, a donkey. Not streets of gold, but palm branches. And with him are like 12 misfits, like the jokers, the smokers, and the midnight tokers. Fishermen, tax collectors. Like he was scraping the bottom of the barrel. And in Luke's gospel, it says Jesus is coming into the city and everybody's celebrating. And though the, the scripture actually says that Jesus actually starts to weep because he understands that they're cheering for the wrong thing. You see, maybe they're thinking Jesus is coming to, be a, uh, to, to begin a, a political takeover. And that's not it. Jesus actually came for a spiritual takeover. Maybe we're, maybe we're the people shouting like, we need reform in the White House. But Jesus is saying, change actually first comes and it starts in your house. And they are so certain that the Messiah is gonna show up and he's gonna wipe out Rome and he's gonna wipe out the rule that's over them. And it's happy days from here on out. But that's not it. Their expectation of God is not what they had hoped for. Pastor Nick, could you come one up? I remember after that hide and seek game with my brother, uh, I, I finally went back into the living room and he was sitting there playing Atari. And I was like, well, why aren't you looking for me? And he said, well, I looked for you in your regular spot, but when you weren't there, I quit looking. When the crowd's expectation of God is not what they hope for, they quit looking. They quit, they quit seeking. They quit knocking. They quit asking. Yeah, they got loud. Yeah, they got stirred up. Yeah, they made noise. The city was in a stir. But look, Jesus comes in on a Sunday. And on Monday, if you, if you remember the story, he goes into the temple, he's flipping tables, he's cracking whips, he's busting skulls, like he is, he is upset, like you've made my house a, a den of thieves, and he's upset. And the next day, he gets in a dispute with the Jewish leaders. And on Wednesday, he must have took an arrest because they didn't talk about anything there. And then Thursday, he begins to prepare for the Passover. And on Friday, he's being betrayed and crucified. They made a lot of noise on Sunday, but denied him on Friday. Some people were shouting, the, the same people who were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, were the same people who at the later end of the week were saying, crucify him, crucify him. We want Barabbas. I don't ever want us to be a church that makes a whole lot of noise on a Sunday, but we forget about him on Friday. Sunday morning, is, Sunday morning church is great. I, I love it here. I love the atmosphere here. I love to worship with you guys. I love this. And, 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 and I love to be here and, just, and make noise. And, 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 and on Sunday, I love to celebrate him, but sometimes we forget about him by Friday. 
Sunday morning church is great, but if you don't need your faith on Monday, Tuesday, Friday, then what good is your faith? Our faith is every day of the week. I was thinking about my family just this past year. And in a matter of several weeks time, my sister dies. My wife has surgery to remove thyroid cancer and my son is diagnosed with type one diabetes. Just in a matter of a few weeks time. That's not how it's supposed to go. It doesn't seem right. Where is God? Is he hiding? It's in that moment we have to realize that the same God who comes on Sunday is the same God who's present on Friday. But God didn't show up how I wanted him to show up. He didn't do what I wanted him to do. He he wasn't in the place where I found him last and, and, and I wanted to quit looking. Doubt can creep in, which can turn to unbelief, which can turn to sin very quickly. And we can go from noisy on a Sunday to forgetting him by Friday. Uh, The people shouting crucify him probably all, all weren't bad people. They were probably just expecting something else. And and, and instead of showing up to take over, he went to a cross and he paid the ultimate penalty for our sins, which is better than any political takeover that could ever happen. For you in this room, when Jesus didn't behave the way that you want him to behave, when you didn't get what you thought you expected, do you forget about him? Do you, do you deny him? Do you quit looking for him? See, scripture tells us that Jesus is full of, of grace and full of truth. And, and, and I want you to know today that this was his first triumphal entry, but there's gonna be a second. His first, triumphal, his first triumphal entry was like a lamb led to slaughter. But one day he's coming back. He's coming back for his second triumphal entry. And and at that point, I want you to know there will be no options. There will be no choices. The Bible says that every knee will bow and that every tongue will confess that he is Lord. His first triumphal entry was one of grace, but his second one, according to Revelations 19, starting in verse 11, it says this. John writes, then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and rages righteous war, wages righteous war. His eyes are like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. His name was written on a name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a winepress. And on his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. One day, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back and this time, he is that king riding on the horse. 
no choices, no options. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Could we all stand together? While you're standing, I wanna tell you that next Sunday is Easter Sunday and you gotta know that most people, most people are simply waiting on an invitation to come to church. Get stirred up this week. Invite that neighbor, invite that coworker. You probably don't like him, but invite him anyways. Invite that family member. It's Easter. People go to church on Easter. Why don't they come with you? Invite someone, take an opportunity, get stirred up this week. Invite someone to church this week. But before we get there, I have to ask, maybe you're here today and, and you don't know this Jesus that we talk about. Man, I can't wait for next Sunday. I love Easter. It's like, it's like the Super Bowl for Christians. It's amazing. Um, but I gotta know today, maybe you're here today and, and you don't know this Jesus that we talk about. You've never asked him to be a part of your life and to be the leader of your life. Or, or maybe you're in this room today and, and you've walked away from him. Maybe you're far from him right now. And today you wanna come back to him. If that's you, I want everyone in this room to kind of bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. If that's you in this room, you need Jesus or you need to come back to Jesus. Would you just lift up a hand? Let me see you and then you can put it right back down. Is there anybody here today? You say, I thank you, I see that hand. Anybody else here today? You'd be so bold to say, that's me, I need Jesus today. My life needs to be changed, I need to be different. Thank you, I see that hand. Here's what we're gonna do, church. And, and if you didn't have the opportunity to raise your hand, uh, we're, we're gonna pray together. And, and I just, we're gonna all pray together. And I want, if you that's you, you raise your hand. If you know today, like I needed to raise my hand, I should have raised my hand. We're gonna pray this prayer together. And, and this prayer is nothing magical. It's nothing like, it's, it's, it's simply making a statement and saying, Jesus, I wanna live for you forever. I wanna come into my life, change me. And we're gonna pray this together. Um, but I wanna encourage you, if you raise your hand today, find someone, find a believer in your life to put yourself around, maybe to be mentored, maybe to understand your faith and your God, the gospels and Jesus, who he is. But let's do this. We're all gonna pray together this morning. If everybody in the room would just repeat after me, say, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Transform me. Take my whole life. Jesus, I know you died on a cross for me. Now I want to live for you. Thank you for new life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I belong to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we celebrate our friends this morning? I'm so thankful for the opportunity to, to preach this morning and just to kind of share with you guys about my trip to Africa and about Palm Sunday. And just, I'm just honored for the opportunity to be here and be with you guys. Hopefully you're stirred up. Hopefully my prayer today is that you're stirred up. And as we lead to Easter, as we're starting Easter week, that your spirit and that your heart begins to stir up 
and you begin to think and you begin to pray and you begin to prepare yourself. Jesus, how can I serve you this week? Lord, what can I do for you this week? And, and, and because my faith is not just a Sunday faith and I forget about you on Friday. It's a Monday faith. It's a Tuesday faith, a Wednesday faith, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then we get to do it all again on a Sunday. Let's get stirred up. Let's get stirred up this week. Let's take an opportunity to invite someone to next Sunday and to hear the Easter story, the life-changing Easter story. It's amazing. You're, you're not gonna wanna miss it. Uh, I'm gonna pray real quick and you guys can be dismissed. Um, Lord Jesus, we love you. God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for this chance to be here to get today and to preach your word. Lord, I pray that your words have stirred up someone's heart today. And I thank you, Lord, for the ones who raised their hand today and said, I need Jesus in my life. Lord, I pray that you would do a work right now in their hearts, in their lives, in their spirit. And I pray that you would just begin to draw them closer and closer and closer to you. God, I just thank you for moving in this place today. We love you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Hey, we love you guys. We hope you have an awesome week. This week, you can be dismissed.